We're going to be in uh, Proverbs chapter number, uh, well, actually, we're going to be in several, several places, uh, but you can go ahead and turn to Proverbs 3, as well as uh, just take a peek at Romans chapter 13. So we'll look at both of those after we pray, Proverbs 3 and Romans 13. We'll spend most of our time in, in Proverbs, obviously. So today we're going on the subject of money in the book of Proverbs, money, wisdom, and we do need wisdom. How many, how many of you have, have, uh, have felt the pain that comes from, uh, you know, improper use or, you know, maybe ignorant use of money? I know I have, and I think everybody that deals with money deals with that problem, and so, um, so we all need wisdom in this way. So, um, let's, let's pray together. We are going to be studying the, the subject of debt, debt uh, today, because it is, it is a subject that Proverbs covers to some degree. So let's pray together, and then we'll look at first in Romans chapter 13. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity to meet together. Thank you for your people, and thank you, Lord, for how you're working in each one of our lives. We pray, Lord, please bless our service today. Please bless our meeting as the people of God meet together to hear the word, to give you praise, to worship you, to, to pray, uh, to sing. And Lord, everything that's done as we fellowship with one another, we seek to encourage one another to know how and be informed as we try to pray for one another. Lord, please, uh, we ask your blessing upon our church, upon our hearts today as we interact with your word. We hear it and respond to it. Lord, help us. And as we look at this subject, Lord, help us to take it seriously. Help us to, uh, to read your word with open hearts and to uh, apply the wisdom you've given to us in Proverbs. Help me, Lord, to say what your people need to hear and that we all might grow together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, on the subject of debt, let me just say from the start that <clears throat> you can, um, there, there's two, there's basically in the scripture, there's two basic kinds of debt. Um, and they're, they're actually one and the same. The, uh, to, to debt, to, to, uh, to be in debt, to incur debt is, there's different ways it can be done, but I divided it into two different groups because, uh, because there's two different ways that we come in contact with debt. Okay, and so uh, the first one we see here in Romans 13, and I'll just, uh, I'll say it like this. The first kind of debt is something that is due to someone else because of some service they have rendered to us, which we have requested. Okay, so if someone comes, uh, if, if you uh, hire someone to come out to the house, like we're going to have this uh, place uh, there's a, a, a roof leak in the, on the church. You're like, another one? Yeah, another one. All right, but we're going to have that fixed, right? So if we call the roofer to come out and fix it, you know, we have requested that he fix it. He, he's fixing it, trusting that we're going to pay him, all right? So until we pay him, there's, there's a level of debt there. And, but that's, that's understood as, as normal kind of debt. But if you decided, you know what? I don't want to pay him. Well, now you're, in, you're actually in debt, and now you're subject to be sued uh, for fraud. 
And so that's that's one that's the first kind of debt I want to mention because it is actually that it it is actually mentioned in the Bible. Romans 13, look at verse <clears throat> verse number um, verse number 6. The Bible says, now this is the subject of authorities, the government, basically the government or those in power, okay? It says this, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, talking about those in positions of authority, they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, Custom to whom custom, rather. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Okay. Now, let me just say this while we're on the subject of government. We have to understand, and, and we covered this to some degree, is that uh, previously, when we were talking about Paul and his civic, you know, the, uh, the, his dealing with being a citizen of Rome, that uh, our government can do things that are actually unlawful. Now, in, in, a, in, a, setup like, in a setup like Rome or even, even further back, you know, what the king said, that, that, was the law, that was the law. But, you know, over time that changed. For instance, under Israel, if David said it, it was the law. The only law that superseded David's law was God's law. But really, that was kind of a novel thing. You know, you go back to Egypt and the pharaohs, I mean, what they said was law, period. There was nothing that bound them, right, that we know of. And then you have the, God's law bound the kings of Israel and Judah, right? But then you go further, the king of Persia was bound by a law, right? That he could, not, he could not himself violate. And then you get into the Roman period, the Greek and the Roman period, and then now you have republics. You have people voting on the laws and having representatives. And all of that has kind of come down to what we have today. So that our law is not the supreme law of our land, is not a man, it's not a president, be it one you like or don't like. It is the established laws, the Constitution. And so that is, that is you know, that's the, the means whereby we're governed. Well, and in, within that framework, though, we have taxes, <laughs> which is what we're talking about here, that pay for those things, those servants, as we hope they are anyway, servants. And uh, the Bible says in verse 7, to render to all their dues. Now, if something is due, it means you don't, have, uh, you don't have any grounds to dispute it. You owe it. That's what the word due means. You, you have a duty to pay it. Now, on the subject, in the same context of rendering the dues to the government, all right, to those in power, verse 8 says, owe no man anything. Now, oftentimes in the past, I've looked at this verse and I have kind of isolated it from, every, from the context. But really, in context, and I think it has, it has a benefit to all situations in life, but in context, this is actually a reference directly to owing dues to those to whom you must pay it, that is, to those in power. Because it says this, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So the idea is, the idea is when you have an obligation to pay someone and you fulfill that obligation, you know, in the in the roof example, you fulfill that obligation, that's actually a way that you're showing love to your neighbor. You're loving him as yourself. You work, you want to get paid, he works, he wants to get paid. Right? It's the golden rule, basically. So um, 
So this is, this is I think, primarily a reference to that, that situation where you, you, are, you owe someone by virtue of a service they have performed to you. And, and so uh, we'll get to, to the other references in just a minute. Look at Proverbs 3, if you would. Verse number 27. The word do here is found as well. It says, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. In other words, when payment is due, pay it. Else you owe them, else you're in debt to them. And the Lord says, don't even give it to them tomorrow, give it to them today. Okay, so this is the first kind of debt. I know this is not a big, a big, a huge deal as far as, you know, we all understand we have to pay our bills, right? And that's what, essentially what we're talking about here. Paying your bills, paying your bills, okay? James 5, 4 says this, Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, speaking to the rich men, which of you is kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, which is to say, they hired a bunch of people to work, and they didn't pay them. They're now in debt. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, there was an understanding they'd be paid, but they haven't been paid. And once this kind of debt, although it's perfectly legitimate, you know, in the, in the, the transaction of business, right? This kind of debt, like this, can become fraud, which is theft. And so that's why we have to pay our bills. Because if you don't, it's theft. And... So as a believer, you know, that's, that's a, a matter of ethics and morals, paying your bills. And I know there are times when, you know, through circumstances, fixed. I know there are times through circumstances that, uh, that we get behind and things like that. And there, you know, we, we have to deal with that on, in honesty, but as a general rule, that's, you know, we, we should pay our bills. And that's, so that's the first kind of debt. But the second kind of debt is what we want to really talk about to, uh, this, this morning, which is debt that we've incurred by voluntarily borrowing from someone in order to make a purchase, okay? Voluntary, well, I call it voluntary debt, voluntary debt. Now look at Proverbs 22, now listen, if it's in your mind right now, if you're thinking, I don't know why the preacher is talking about this. Preachers should be talking about, you know, Jesus, the gospel, and spiritual things. Well, <clears throat> this is what the Bible says about it. And there is, a, there is a right and a wrong way to handle money. And there is a right and a wrong concerning debt. And... Uh, and that's why we have to look at it. Um, you as a believer, me as a believer, we can absolutely absolutely destroy our testimony and destroy relationships because of debt. And it's it's a big deal, you know, especially when you consider the place that money has in priorities, as we've seen in other places. He that is faithful in least is faithful also in much. You know, those principles that money represents something far greater than its own worth because of the covetous heart of man, right? And so money represents, it represents something greater about our ethics and morals. 
and uh, our, even our relationship to God. And that's why the Lord uses it so often as an example, as an example to us in the parables and many other places. Okay, um, Proverbs 22, verse 7. This is the go-to verse on debt. The rich rule ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. All of you knew that verse, I'm sure. Now, hold your place here and look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> now, in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, He's talking about, in the beginning of the chapter, uh, lawsuits between believers, which ironically deals with money, right? How much we want it, what we're willing to do to get it, what we're willing to do, the, the harm we're willing to bring upon the name of the Lord by going to law with another believer just for money, right? That's what this is talking about. But then it kind of transitions into the use of the body, which eventually will get into things like fornication and things like that. But in verse 12, notice what it says. Now I want you to pair verse 12 with Proverbs 22 uh, in verse number 7. Verse 12 says this, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. I could, I could definitely fit debt into that category, right? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient, Okay. All things are lawful for me, here's the key, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, this is an act of the will. Paul says, I might be able to do it, but I am not going to subject myself to servitude. Now, if I have a choice in the matter, and we'll get to it in a minute, but there are some, there are some times when there's little choice. But he says, if I have a choice in the matter, he, that's what the word will means, but I will not be brought under the power of any. If I have a choice in the matter, I am not going to subject myself to, the servi to servitude. Now, he's speaking generally here. But debt is a kind of servitude. That's what Proverbs 22.7 is telling us. Debt is a kind of servitude. Now, I know we have things like bankruptcy. In U.S. law, we have things like bankruptcy that allow us to mostly escape the responsibility of paying debt, okay? That is a thing. We'll talk about that in a second. But, uh, but generally speaking, uh, when, a, when, when you or I incur debt, we are therefore bound as a servant to that lender. And it's just not a good practice for a believer to be bound by anything. That's one, that's one issue with things like smoking, things like drinking, prescription medication, you know, any kind of addiction, whether, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what flavor of addiction it is, the idea that a, a child of God is brought under the power of something other than the Lord is not good, right? Would you all agree with that? It's just not good. Because when you're a servant, that means you no longer have the prerogative to make your own decisions, Another is making a decision for you, in this case, debt, the obligation you have. That's just not a good situation to be in. And as a matter of, remember, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. So the Lord is trying to tell us 
that we need to be careful of the wisdom or lack of wisdom that comes along with debt. Now, I thought I, I, I meditated on this, this idea of debt. Of course, it's something we've all dealt with, you know, our, our whole lives, practically adult lives anyway. And what are some motives for incurring debt? What are some motives? I'm just, I'm just going to nail these and look at some verses because I know they're all true because I've observed them and you have too. The primary motives for incurring debt, number one, lack of patience or desire for instant gratification. Okay? So in this case, we're willing to work for the thing, right? We're willing to work for the thing. We're not trying to steal it. <laughs> we're not trying to sin to get it, but we're willing to work for it, but we want it before we work rather than after we work. Okay, that's, that's the key here. Look at Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10, verse number 22. Proverbs 10, verse 22, it says this, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. So here's a question. If you, if you walk into a store or or I don't know, whatever, whatever kind of place where credit might be offered, and you walk into that place, and out of the desire to have instant gratification, to have that thing now rather than later, you walk in there, I walk in there, and we say, okay, I want this thing. I want this thing. And so we sign the paper saying that we'll pay for it. We take the thing home. We have the thing we want, right? We have the thing we want. But what sorrow has been added to our lives as a result of the debt? Yeah. So, so in, that, in that situation, we should be very careful because I've, I've heard people do this. They'll say, they'll go into a situation where they incur a great amount of unnecessary debt, voluntary debt, and they walk away and say, look what the Lord provided. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> hold on, hold on. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. In other words, when the Lord blesses someone, there is no sorrow attached to it. But there's a strong case to be made that with debt comes a certain level of sorrow because there is a certain level of servitude. So we should be careful about that to say, well, the Lord provided. Well, why didn't he provide beforehand? <laughs> why did it require us to have a credit check to provide? Right? So, uh, I think sometimes we use the Lord's name like that a little loosely. Look at Proverbs 28. Notice this. We're talking about a motives for incurring debt, such as lack of patience or the desire for instant gratification. Proverbs 28, verse number 20 says this. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich, shall not be innocent. So the idea is not, at least in this verse, now I know there's a lot of other verses that deal with money in the Bible, but at least in these verses here, the idea is not that if you work and you save, that's bad. The idea is that you want to do it quickly. You want it now. It says, shall not be innocent. In other words, the desire to have those things now 
is actually a snare, a trap. So that's why you got to be very careful when that, and listen, I feel it just as much as you do. I feel it just as much as you do. When things, you know, the car's not working right and, you know, you know, you got, you got issues at the, at the house, you know, our, we recently, since we moved into our house, whatever, three years ago, three and a half years ago, we have bought every appliance that we have except the microwave. And we just had the privilege and honor of buying one of those appliances again, you know, because they make it long enough to exceed the, the, the warranty and then it breaks. So, so we, we had to replace those things. And so, you know, I get it. I, you know, I want, I want the new appliances. And, I, you know, I, we all understand that. We all understand that. But the desire to have it now is problematic, is not consistent with wisdom. Proverbs 28, verse 22. We're already here. Look what it says. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. In other words, it can even tempt you into envy and jealousy because other people have it. I want it now. And you know what? That actually leads us straight into our next motive. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Adults have peer pressure. Oh, yeah. Sometimes when we see things that other people have, especially young married couples. Young married couples want the nice, you know, whatever, 3,000 square foot house or whatever, you know, is the, the going thing, right? They want it now. They want, and, and, and you know, you know as well as I do, people newly married, they don't have their career set. They don't have hardly any money in the bank. They don't have any of that set up at all, but they want what their grandparents have accrued through their whole life, right? Well, that just doesn't work. Here's the thing, though. In our day, there is a solution. You go into Best Buy and sign your name and walk out with it. You go to the car lot, sign your name, and drive it off the lot. That's the solution. And I'm talking about my generation and those younger than, younger than me. That's what we do. We see what other people have and we want that, but we don't want to wait like they did. <laughs> and you know what? Kudos to that generation because they worked and then bought it, right? Rather than get, getting the cart before the horse. Another, um, another uh, motive for debt that's uh, prevalent is covetousness. We want something that we have no business of having or are willing to sin or, in this case, be unwise in order to get it. So it's just raw covetousness. And here's the thing. In, in the days in which there was, no, there was no easily accessible credit, you just couldn't get it. If you didn't have it, you couldn't get it. But now you can get anything even if you, even if you should not have it. Another motive is lack of contentment. We've covered this when we talked about the last commandment on our Wednesday night study, Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee for, nor forsake thee. So the principle is, you have the Lord, therefore you should be content. Now that doesn't mean we can't desire things at times, but what it means is that ultimately we have to be happy when we don't have those things. And that's really a, an issue that deals with our relationship to the Lord. So the subject of contentment is really about covetousness more and our relationship to the Lord than it is about that thing that we want. Another, another uh, cause for debt is the desire to present a facade of wealth. In other words, we want to appear to others as someone of means. 
Never mind the fact that all the things hanging on the wall and the furnishings and all that stuff is not really ours. You know, to, I mean, to me, and I hope to you, if you have stuff in your house that's not yours, I certainly hope that you would not brag or boast or feel a sense of accomplishment by having a thing that's really just the outline of the thing and all the reality of it belongs to somebody else. Now, if you pay for it and it's yours, great. But, uh, but you know, that comes out of pride. And then lastly, uh, uh, one of the things that affects debt, I don't know if this is exactly a motive, is this. Proverbs 20, 27, verse 1. If you can look at that. Uh, since we're already there, and David quoted it, is when you incur debt, when I incur debt, you know what we're doing? We're presuming upon tomorrow. That's what we're doing. Because what we're saying is, I will pay this. And the thing is, we don't know if we can. We don't know if our financial situation will be the same. We don't know if our, uh, if our health situation will allow us to do that. That's why it's so dangerous. Now, if you have worked and saved and you buy the thing outright, you work before you have the, have the thing, that's not a, that's not a danger because you, you've already worked. You've done the work ahead of time. There is no boasting of tomorrow. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And what we say is, that, yeah, I know I don't know what's going to happen, but then we act like we do on the subject of debt. And so these are some motives. Of course, we can look at James 4. Uh, he says, uh, What is your life? It is even a vapor. Whereas ye know not, we shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Now let's look at, while we're talking about debt, let's look at some, some exceptions, okay? Because I think this is important for us to cover. There are times in which debt is brought about upon us without our choice. It's not, we wouldn't call it voluntary debt. I've been here, and you've been here, right? You know, sometimes you get a letter from the IRS, and you've tried to be honest and upright, and your tax guy messed up, right? And the IRS sends you a letter and says, oh, by the way, you owe us $5,000 for the last three years of taxes. Did you choose to do that? Did you try to do that? Was that a, no, but here you are in debt, right? I got, I remember we were in Cambodia. My mom came to visit and she brought my mail from, from her house, which is where my address was. And in the, in the mail, was a, I think it was a five-month-old letter from the IRS. And do you know what the letter said? You owe us $53,000. I about panicked. <laughs> All that had happened was, oh, and by the way, it was five months old, and it had a due date of three months from the time it was written. Of course, the, the IRS, I guess, figures you have $53,000 laying around, you can send them. I don't, I don't know. but So um, what had happened is when I had transmitted my, uh, my tax return, they had only gotten the first page. So instead of asking, you know, because the 1040 has two, at least two pages. Instead of just asking me, hey, we didn't get the second page, they just decided that I didn't file a second page. 
you know, smart as they are. <laughs> and so they sent a bill. I don't know how they got their calculation, but they sent a bill. And I was, you know, of course, I was able to clear it up and fax them the full tax return. And of course, and I got the, you know, the, the dream letter from the IRS, which is, you know, it's the same letter. It just has zeros all over it. And so I was, I, I was very thankful for that. But, you know, that could have been a very bad situation. So sometimes tax issues like that bring us into a place of debt that we don't want to be. We didn't desire it, and, you know, we don't have anything to show for it either, <laughs> like, uh, you know, a 72-inch flat-screen TV or whatever. Another one is medical care, especially with the cost of medical care. Look, if you're sick, go to the hospital. I don't care how much it costs. Go. I don't care. Go. Deal with it. You can deal with that after. But that, this is a case where, where you prioritize the commandments of the Lord, right? And your health goes above that, goes above that consideration. And sometimes that's for, forced upon you. Another one is the necessities of life. Car accidents, necessary repairs. You have a roof leak at your house. Or as Miss Pam, like Miss Pam had that huge issue with the leaking uh, pipe in her, in her house. And it just costs a whole lot of money just out of nowhere. And sometimes, you know, you know look, not everybody has money it's laying around to pay for it. And, and you, you, but you have to deal with it. It is foisted upon you. And so you do. And so sometimes debt is occurred from that. But I want to give you one solution to that. These are just practical things, but I want to give you one solution to that. Is this. When things are going well and you don't have things piling on top of you, save money. Put money aside. Have an emergency fund. Now, here's, what, here's, here's why that's important. And, you know, it might seem difficult at first if you don't have a lot of extra money, but here's why it's important. Because when th- if you do that, and over time you let that build and you don't touch it, when that thing, that unexpected thing that would normally cause you to have to go into the hole, like medical care or whatever, you have a lump sum of money to, that allows you to avoid that situation. And again, you know, if, if you're in a case like at this moment you couldn't do that, it is something that you can at least work toward. Not only that, is a great, uh, it eases your mind knowing that you're not going to have medical billing companies calling you forever and ever and ever because you can only pay $25 a month or whatever. That you were able to take care of it and now you can move on and rebuild that. That's just, that's just a, you know, of course it's something Dave Ramsey recommends, and, but it's just a matter of wisdom. It's just a matter of wisdom. You know, by saving money and having an emergency fund, you know what it does? It allows you to avoid becoming a servant to the lender, which is a good, that's, that's good all around, right? That's good all around. There is one other exception that uh, I know I dealt with when I was younger was the subject of a house mortgage. Because if, if, the, Lord, if the Lord frowns upon debt, what about your house? Are you going to rent your whole life? But a house is a unique exception to the idea of debt because in normal debt, there is a risk to the lender if the borrower borrower doesn't pay or defaults. There's a risk. Like if you go get a TV, you know, depending on the circumstance, if you go buy a TV at some, you know, Best Buy or whatever, they're probably not going to get the TV back if you stop paying. It'll probably just hit your credit and then you can keep the TV. That's probably what's going to happen unless it's a big amount, and then they could sue you or whatever. So there's a certain, and you might say, well, there's a big company. They can, you know, they, can, they have plenty of money for that kind of thing. True. 
It's in their risk assessment. That's true. That don't mean it's ethical, right? But in the case of a house, the house itself is the guarantee that you'll pay the loan. And if you default, the house is taken. And they sell it, and they make a bunch of money. They make a bunch of money, especially if you took care of your house. So it's, it's a different situation. It's actually a contract with a guarantee. That's what a house is. Um, and uh, I encourage you, look, if you have a house, you have a mortgage, pay it off as quick as you can. I know there's some financial people that say you shouldn't do that. You know, use your money elsewhere. Don't listen to them. Pay it off. Pay it off. You save yourself hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest, and then you have, then you have a situation where you have fewer bills, and you have something that's, that's firm in case life changes, like health problems or whatever. It's the wisest thing to do. Some people say, well, don't do that and invest the, the extra that you would. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So, all right, just a couple things to mention before we get to one last subject. We'll have to do it quickly. Bankruptcy. I know bankruptcy is a legal thing, but it's not an ethical thing. To just say, government decree, a judge decree that I don't have to pay my bills. It's just not an ethical thing. Now, if you've ever been through that, you know, you just got to move on from there. But it's not, you know, if, if you give your word, if I give my word that we're going to pay our bills and we have to pay them. Credit cards. Credit cards. Pay them off. It's just a means. It's the same thing as a debit card. They send the bill, you pay it. Otherwise, you're in debt. And I've had, a, I've had a balance on a credit card, and I like panicked, you know, because I forgot about it, and all of a sudden I got hit with like $50 in interest or something. I don't like that. But just pay it off. Pay it. Listen, here's the, the principle. If you don't have money for the purchase, don't buy it. That's simple, right? If you don't have money, don't buy it. And, that, and that's the principle that goes into credit cards. Then you get into payday loans, title loans, and all those things. Stay away from that. Those are death traps. And then the subject, before we get to our last one, is the idea of lending. So we've, we've looked at all from the, from the perspective of borrowing, but what about to the lender? Look, and that's a difficult thing, especially if you're someone who has saved money and your family knows that you have a little bit of money in the bank. Because when they need something, they're going to come to you. Here's the rule. The rule is this. Don't give it away unless you are willing to part with it forever. The relationship is more important. The Lord said in Luke 6, And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thanks have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners and receive as much again. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. But you, I'm just, this is just me talking to you. Don't try to avoid getting in situations where family, you owe, you owe family money or they owe you money. It's a bad situation. The last thing I want to mention is the idea of surety. So we'll just look at one verse. I'm not going to um, look at Proverbs 17. I don't have time to go through it all, but... This is a biblical truth. Proverbs 17, verse number 18. It says this, 
A man of a man void of understanding striketh hands. We would say shake shake hands, right? Striketh hands and becometh surety in the presence of his friend. And I could go go over you know many others other verses. There's at least six verses, five or six verses in Proverbs on this subject. To be surety, it means this: a surety is a pledge, a bond, or a security, a guarantee of good conduct, the fulfillment of certain duties. In the in the case of money. It's, it's money or a guarantee deposited or pledged on behalf of another person. So it's not you taking the loan out. It's essentially being a cosigner, okay? The Lord says, and I know cosigning is not that common. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time. But listen, you'll probably have a person in your family who's always the down and out person, who's always in need, who has a lot of vices that suck money away like, you know, like a vacuum. And that person is going to constantly come to you and want you to hold them up to be a guarantee. Be very careful. Be very careful. Here's why. Because being a surety means that that person for whom you're doing it does not have the means, does not have the means to, to buy that, the thing that they want. That's why they need you to be a security. And he has no way to guarantee the payment himself. That's why he needs you to be a security. So it's actually debt for another person. That's what it, that's what it is. So if the Lord says that there's, there's, a, there's, there's great foolishness in debt and, and you know, there's a lack of wisdom in debt and it's something we should be very careful of, what about to, for another person, enabling them to do it? Whoa, 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 whoa. Put the brakes on. Put the brakes on. Not only that, though, Becoming surety for another encourages that person to do that, which is unwise. And something we shouldn't even be engaging in ourselves. And sometimes, listen, in the case I just gave you, the example I just gave you, it's always someone that's going to guilt trip you into it. Listen, learn to say no, right? We should all learn to say politely, no. I'm sorry, I can't. Because you, I mean, you have Bible on it, right? By becoming surety for another, you relieve him of the full weight of responsibility for his actions. He knows there's going to be another person upon whom he can fall back. And you know what happens? When someone knows that there's a fallback, you know what it does? It alters their present decisions. That's human nature. Well, I know, well, you know, if, if everything has a go, they're, they're willing to take greater risks because they know they have a fallback. And they're willing to sacrifice that relationship in that case, which is a terrible thing, terrible thing. So they're, they're willing to make far looser financial decisions than if they bore the responsibility alone. In other words, in the case of guaranteeing someone else in that case, you're not doing them a favor. It's actually harming them. It's actually harming them. If you don't do them a favor and you have the ability, let them work. That's the best thing to do. All right? All right, let's pray together.